0: Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hayter, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and unhinged. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm sick. Yeah, you are sick. You sound sick. Do I sound kind of like sexy sick, though? No no i know like this is actually sick. like diseased. i'm glad we're um not in the same room sick no i know i had covid and i wasn't as sick as i have been the last week it's just a mm-hmm. uh, terrible cold mm-hmm. yeah i actually uh didn't i'm not i'm skipping a unspeakable episode next week because i couldn't do the i had to reschedule the interview which even during covid i did the interview so this is serious
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you made it here today. I'm
0: here because this that? is like, any, I can just phone this one in. So yeah. Now I'm a little bit better today. I was quite, quite ill, but not COVID and uh, who knows what it was anyway. All right. Well, so we're going to tell people, uh, give the rundown for the show uh, what we're going to talk about and then we'll just start talking, but we want pe- to make sure people stick around for the bonus. <laughs> Yeah. So well, also
1: because people are like whining about, you know, all the things that we're talking, like, I want to get to the thing in the title. Why, like, you know, why did it take 20 minutes? Yeah. To get, well, this is what we do. We, we just we talk about a lot of things. And then eventually yeah, we will get to the thing in the title. You will. But
0: yeah, so we're going to talk in the bonus about some of the YouTube comments, which, you know, we expect they're YouTube comments. It's not exactly, um, you know, it's not like, like a kind of academic symposium. It's just, just YouTube comments. But I think some people were frustrated that, not frustrated, but actually scolding and yeah. schooling us yeah. uh, and uh, comments splaining about how we should structure the conversation. So we we will address that in the comments. Uh, and sorry, we we will address that in the in the bonus. In the
1: bonus. But uh um, first we're gonna start off with uh, uh Martha Stewart's mm-hmm. uh swimsuit <laughs> um
0: photo shoot. Uh <laughs> this is was... huge. this is the big story of the week. I mean, it's not the uh, month or
1: year. Yeah, there's some some something weird, man. Like I I don't know what's going on. Um, and then <laughs> it's and not then stunning and brave. Well, uh, and then we have a a New Yorker piece that everybody's talking about on Twitter, um, <laughs> uh, called a Club yes. for the Cancelled. Um, yeah, which we're, talk we're, about the, we're the club presidents, actually co-presidents.
0: Yeah, well, that's a different club.
1: Um, yes. So we're
0: going to talk about that. Oh, and also in the bonus, we might talk about therapy. There's been a number of articles about therapy, what's happened to psychotherapy. Um, and I know you have feelings about uh, the the usefulness of therapy in general. But um, Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart's obviously done a lot of work on herself in therapy.
1: Yeah. And elsewhere, because look at her. This is this is stunning bravery next level this is so gross i don't know what is going on i'm so alienated by this it's this um for those of you who are lucky enough not to be well seniors. that was
0: you sarah because you didn't know about it until I, I didn't told know you, about it i'm, I'm and really you, impressed you, you, you sorry ruined my
1: day um <laughs> you well, were like
0: reading like you know the paris <laughs> review and commentary you were like oh i'd like to discuss these intellectual <laughs> issues and i'm like no
1: I, yeah, only, I only I only ever know about start. the the swimsuit edition because of recently because of the controversies because every year they'll do some something crazy woke and have like you know an obese model or whatever um, <laughs> and and they'll tell us right. how sexy this is and then everybody gets mad about it. Um I mean who 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 reads this anymore are do men care about what's going on? Obviously not, which is why they put on the sewer. Well like <laughs> Somebody else is buying Who's this. the audience who yeah. is the, the audience is not the audience that traditionally uh, used to get this absurd edition. Somebody else is paying attention now because Marcy Stewart is on the cover and. OK, she looks amazing, obviously, like she wouldn't be on the cover if they didn't think they can make her look amazing. And she's a super rich woman. So she's she's she has everything, you know, all the work that you can get done to look incredible at her age. Uh, she has clearly had done how old is she she's she's eighty one <gasps> so there's a number of different well,
0: there's a number of different articles um oh so my God. yeah so th- this is a swimsuit so she is posing uh this is a series of images uh one piece swimsuits um uh, on the on the beach uh there's one where there's a a, a young a young gentleman riding by uh, on a horse on the beach in the background. It has this real like you know, bodice ripper, Harlequin romance, yes. uh Fabio kind of aesthetic. Yes. Which uh very much of the moment. So finger on the
1: pulse. Um I mean so she, she looks um am- this is just I I feel like what's wrong with it is not that it's she looks bad, because she doesn't look bad. She looks amazing, no. actually. But um, she doesn't really look like a person. She doesn't.
0: I mean, you know what's frustrating is like her filters are better than than ours yeah we do like we're filters. using this fancy camera for this for our youtube and and our and like honestly there's even though it's a very expensive camera uh we still don't look as good as we do on a regular zoom and she looks a thousand times better
1: because zoom zoom do. knows that you need to basically make people look as little yeah, like themselves as exactly. possible and that's what i'm trying to get <laughs> every time and uh, this thing keeps giving me my own face and i hate it I
0: know. Um, I, otherwise you're not going to show up to a, a, any, any meetings. Yeah. Well, so she says, so okay, I'm reading in the New York post. So it's a bit, you know, she is promoting uh, her brand. This is obviously uh, like this is, it feels very transactional. I mean, she's, she's promoting a number of product lines that she's involved with. And, you know, the idea was that sports illustrated approached her in November, 2022 Um And, uh, you know, ask her if she wanted to do it. She talked about it on the Today Show. She said to be on the cover at my age was a challenge, and I met the challenge. And uh, she says, the New Jersey native, this is the New York Post, by the way. It's important that she's a New Jersey native. The New Jersey native. (laughs) That's probably the last thing she wants anybody to know about her. The most damning thing you could say about Martha Stewart. She got her bikini body ready by simply exercising and focusing on eating healthy.
1: That's also how I get my bikini body ready. But my results are not are not this good, <laughs> frankly. She said,
0: um, I didn't starve myself, but I didn't eat any bread or pasta for a couple of months. That's I went starving. to Pilates. <laughs> I know. Right. Exactly. I went to Pilates every other day and that was great. And I live a clean life anyway. Good diet and good exercise and healthy skincare and all of that. She has said that she has never had surgery, that she has not put a, a knife to her face or body. She is on record as saying that.
1: They all say that and they're all liars. They're all liars. I mean, they're are all you good. allowed to just lie about she, that? Yes, yes. And she clearly, there's this is not the face of an 80-something-year-old woman. This is the face of like, you know, frankly, a good, like if you told me she was in her 50s, like late 50s i'd be like yeah like if she was my age yeah early 50s early well no not early 50s.
0: do i do i look young who looks older who looks older me or martha stewart um with this camera with this camera
1: yeah, uh
0: me. probably me yeah that's okay uh, it's okay it's, I but i look
1: older that. with this camera too um yeah, so that's, you the, have, that's the problem but you so that so i feel like yeah, privilege one i feel like you should be able to just be upfront about the fact that you've had it work done you're like she's stupendously wealthy. Of course, she's had work done, you know, and she just say, yeah, of course I have. But it's this, you know, um, selling people something that they can never really, they can never really achieve that I find really, really insidious, especially coming from a woman whose whole brand is like, look at how approachable I am. You too can have this like breezy home and, you know, make this beautiful pie. And, you know, I I feel like it's like the recipe for self-hatred and, you know, depression ultimately, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like I'm kind of mad at Martha for doing this because she should be responsible enough not to do this. To you know what I mean? Like not to. Well, right. I mean, right. Sure. But um, I I just wish that you kind of have the the decency to one at least be honest Just say, look, I'm eighty something, and you don't look like me without a lot of work, without, without being, well, millions and millions of dollars spent on your face and your skin and your hair and whatever. And then, uh, you know, and then trainers and luck and some good genetics here and there. And that's what, that's what it takes to be like me. Um, I hope you enjoy the pictures to be like you. Oh, I see like her, but like her, you know what I mean? Like, just be honest about what you, what it actually takes So that people don't hate themselves for being poor. You know, like, I just, like, I'm just normal. I'm just like a normal, I'm a normal housewife or whatever. I can't afford this. I will not look like this because I have to put kids through college. (laughs) You know? Yeah. There's this weird, like, I mean, they're trying
0: to appeal to, they're trying to make her relevant to younger generation. I mean, there's all these people quoted in this New York Times article. um, Somebody from something called Digital Fairy says, Youth is a mindset that Martha is still really owning. We define this category as generation ageless. Ew. She is a perfect example, consistently demonstrating icon behavior. Ew. Sarah, you need to demonstrate more
1: icon Ew. behavior. Ew. Oh, my God.
0: By being both chic and messy. Ew.
1: Well, that, no I got the second I part. I just person everything they're saying, their, their She also
0: shows Gen Z the possibilities for maintaining its hot, sexy vibes, making aging less scary and more exciting. It's incredible that the people are talking about this copy. This just reads like something from, honestly, from the 80s. This is like reading a women's magazine. Okay, here's another interesting quote. The salient thing is that, so this is, this is a quote from somebody, head of Comma Connect, a strategic communications firm in New York. Martha is a supreme capitalist, absolutely a sellout, but she's also indomitable, a force to be reckoned with. So now when people talk about being a sellout, how does that land to your ears as a young millennial?
1: I don't know what it means. I think everybody sells out. Like, I mean, that's, I think what's expected in like my generation is that everyone, everyone has a brand, you know, like we're the brand, we're your personal brand generation. So like the, even the approach, which is infused in the language that we use is that you are a product and, you know, you are on the market. So that's. I don't think authenticity is something that makes any kind of sense in the digital era where we are all behind screens, crafting the perfect profile, you know, getting our filters just right. It's just not a it's not a you know, it's it's not even a word that is sensical in this in this climate. It has to mean something else. It has to mean like or maybe it always maybe it's always meant authenticity is always meant I'm really good at faking being real. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm so good at faking being mm. real that I seem more real to you than an average person who is real. You know what I mean? <laughs> Does that.
0: Yeah. I mean, because in my time, the worst thing you could be was a sellout. I mean, it was just like an absolute embarrassment.
1: Because you guys were hippies. And the whole. Well,
0: no, no, it wasn't hippies, actually, because we thought of the hippies as being sellouts. Sellout. What? The hippies? No, sellout? we're a whole thing. To who? Who do the hippies sell out? Well, I mean, to? that just became the hippie the hippie like vibe just became the kind of baseline it's like you know post 60s capitalist okay setting i don't yeah i don't um no i mean in my my era it was all about like being indie like you would have a zine i mean people literally used to make before blogs there were zines and they would like state make magazines and staple them together and take them to the bookstore their local bookstore and have the bookstore would sell it and people would make indie films and Eight millimeter film. And and it wasn't, it's not like you would get rich, but it was conceivable that there was a market for that and an appetite for that. Like it wasn't beyond the realm of possibility that like your local independent theater, even if it was in New York City, Mm -hmm. would show somebody's like independent film, like 16 millimeter, eight millimeter short film. And it would be this grainy, very pared down, like super like artistic render, artistic, Um, offering and not slick at all but with some kind of um vision and um, point of view
1: yeah i think to the extent that's such a like there are authentic spaces in like the the digital era they are the the weirdo like anon parts of the internet you know what i mean like there are like circles of on, on twitter on You know, it used to be Tumblr. I don't know what's going on with Tumblr, Mm -hmm. Um, but these like online communities that are fairly small and everybody there is, you know, like anonymous and there you can kind of have a slice of authenticity. But I think you're always still necessarily performing. You know, I don't even know if this idea of authenticity is something that humanity can reach so long as there is somebody else watching and listening. And that could just be in a conversation. No, it's true. It's true, yeah. But I
0: think at least there was a sense if somebody wanted to make some weird short film of themselves doing something, yeah, they would still. They didn't have an instant audience. They weren't live streaming it. They weren't immediately seeing feedback or comments. Like, yeah, they were. They were making an art project and then putting it out there sort yeah. of later.
1: Yeah, I think that might be the that might be the key factor there. That how instant the feedback is. So if you have like. A creative urge, you know, you get that creative urge out there. You finish your project and then you could get that creative art urge out there. And you might not ever get full feedback or you get it, but like it's way delayed. And by that time, you know, uh, you can't run away from it. It's already done. But now you can sort of, you know, you can throw tidbits out there and just sort of explore. So if I, I, I noticed that there are journalists who do this, they'll like tweet about something and they'll see the engagement. And if it seems like it's getting hot, you know, like it's a it's something that is it's got legs. Is, yeah. 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 Like if there's something there, then they'll do a full piece. And I've actually heard people talk about this. I, I can't remember where or when, um, but people are using this as basically a strategy. The um, writer is using this as a strategy of like what might work or what people are interested in to sort of like test the waters before fully committing yourself. And then, you know, you public publish uh you know a piece or two and then if that gets great responses you write a book <laughs> but so it feels yeah, like I'm, every step of the way you're waiting for feedback and then you get that feedback and then you double down or don't which is very different from here's my complete vision but like take it world you know? I know I don't know what's I mean, what do you think about
0: that? About what, like, do you think it's better to have my here's my complete vision, or does that feel self
1: indulgent and like a fool's errand? Yeah, I don't even know what we're seeking here. Is it is it is is the thing that you are you feel um, a sense of loss over the fact that it's hard to you know as a creative person create in that mode, like get yourself into that space and then create that way, or as a consumer you feel as if you're losing some interesting art or something some kind of art artistic mm. expression that is lost now. Uh definitely the latter.
0: Okay. I mean, it's no accident that nobody goes to the movies anymore. Yeah. I mean, you've said yourself, I still have to believe that there are that there are worthwhile movies out there and symphonies to go hear and operas. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's hard the discoverability is difficult. And so much of what is um, sort of propped up by the big institutions, the your local, you know, the big public theater or, you know, arts festival or something, it's going to be pretty ideological and watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, although, yeah, they just they announced the Pulitzers last week. I don't know how much we want to get into that. But, you know, if, at first glance, I thought, oh, this is all totally ideological. Every single category was yeah. it was some yeah identity thing but not all of it but not all of it actually well, that's
1: um, how they keep it
0: like they can't water it down too much you know what i mean yeah they don't want to you to catch on right but but i mean getting back to martha stewart i you know what i'm like looking at this okay is this is a this is a really her this is the, a terrible thing to say i do look she does look amazing fine good for her she doesn't, it doesn't look like her face, by the way. I mean, it no, really just looks like something. I think else's you, face. You,
1: you, you called it, it looks like an AI face. Like, it looks it does. like an ai face, it look, yeah.
0: The whole thing does look like a weird, it's, it, this is a, this is this expression of kind of CGI, artificial intelligence. But it also looks a little bit like the Caitlyn Jenner spread. Mm. <laughs> like, there's this hyper, again,
1: it's this hyper femininity yeah and then sexiness and like look at how available i am for sex well and
0: she's and it's funny because she's in a lot of the interviews she's made a point of saying like i'm not interested in that like i'm not looking for a relationship like i'm not interested in and yeah she's like coming out
1: of a you know she's coming out of the water in a bathing suit with her lips pursed and in the bed with you know her like putting a thumb under her right so what's the point I think there's something, you know, it's like some odd thing about like if this was a very young woman, like if this is a, you know, 18 year old doing all of this. We would find it creepy and weird and not empowering. And like the kind of person you actually want to see in that position or like much of humanity would want to see, much of male humanity would want to see in that position. When she gets in that position, it is, you know, uh, I think correctly seen as objectification in a really negative way and then really yeah but i mean but that's what we're used
0: to but no but you're used to a young model so what you you don't want a
1: young model does it you don't call her empowering you don't call her of you know i mean maybe you do now in our sex positive era it depends on how much she's being paid yeah 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 but i think that there's something about the more you approach actual like unfuckability (laughs) the more like something like this becomes very brave and it becomes a really beautiful signal um and it is important that you consume it actually because you're a good person for consuming it and (laughs) and and then for applauding her also
0: yes that's a really good point yeah so it's sort of like the unfuckability it's not really a privilege point it's 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 almost like um it's like a get out of jail free card for objectification or yeah. something. Yeah. Like it's yeah. politicizing it. Yeah. It's kind of like so right. So if you're unfuckable and you are putting yourself on display, then it's a political act.
1: Yes. That's why what's her name? Uh the the, the that star who plays a fluge, the big black woman. Lizzo. Uh, Lizzo, yes. Um Lizzo can be like wearing the kind of thing that normally normally would belong on, you know, an adult website and she can wear it out and it's very brave and very stunning. But I think she can get away with that because the majority of humanity does not find that super attractive. She's not conventionally attractive anyway. People do find people do find her very attractive. This is the Caitlyn Jenner thing too. Like who wants to be in bed with Caitlyn Jenner?
0: Right. I mean, it's all—it's so—it's so tricky because, of course, that's what you know. O- older women—that's like a terrible thing people say about them. They look like drag queens, like the you know, and an old woman who puts on a lot of makeup, and high heels, and dresses scantily, looks like a drag queen.
1: I feel like there's so there's just like really there's a couple of actually like Instagram slash TikTok accounts that cover. There's one that's like New York fashion. There's another one that is um on some particular street in uh LA. I forget which one you would know what it was, but um it's where rich rich people hang out. And this person just chats with people who are walking on the street who have cool street fashion. Mm. Um, and there's a separate New York one too, where they do the same thing. And the New York guy, like it's almost always like these really old women, like really old women, like eighties something, and they are dressing like wildly just like it's and it's so creative and interesting and they're like they're like an art project mm-hmm. and they're definitely drawing the eye they're not being sexy in this like they're not trying to be 18 or just so like they're skin necessarily it's not necessarily like sometimes they are fashion. but it's not yeah. in a gross way it's in like in a like wow like look at her like she looks like she just stepped out of a movie kind of thing and like a weird like movie like she's a character in a novel and i feel like there's that's to me, they're like those women are like, actual iconic, you know, um, agents in the world because they're just like, this is who I am. I am an old lady. I still want, you know, attention or drama or flair. And I, you know, um, I like fashion and I have and a I sense have, of style and I'm artistic, you know, and I want to sh- display that. And they display it. And it's and and they actually have the freedom to display it in a way that if a younger woman was doing it, I think it would be weirder like it would you know it would be less dignified on a younger woman they can just sort of pull it off in a way that i think like a mm. 18 year old might not be able to unless she was at Coachella or something but it you know and and then there's the LA one which has a kind of a similar vibe except these are just they're not wild and artistic they're just high fashion like very very beautifully styled women right you know, perfect accessories perfect and there're a bunch of them right. are very old very old and they looked great i was like this is amazing these are heroes like i want to how, how do i how do i become that you know yeah. and not posing like with my like putting
0: yeah well, i mean that requires like, a, a like a point of view and a sense of of style and like fashion choices like it's yeah. it it's an artistic expression yeah no yeah. i mean the martha stewart thing it's just so it really is i just feel like it's all part of this big gestalt of dylan mulvaney and caitlin jenner and this like exaggerated like womanhood but like cartoonish femininity
1: yeah from people who are so destructive they don't feel like they're the natural they're not the natural person in that role you know this dylan Mulvaney, especially like it It does feel like an act with Martha, martha stewart of course it's an act do you think that she lays down in a in a you know on the beach like that At any other point in her life, except for this shoot, you know, like in the past 10 years, has she done that particular thing? Like, I doubt it. You know, I doubt that she is messy like that. (laughs) The amazing thing is like
0: she looked great when she came out of prison she really looked good i remember she had like it was a long time ago but she really looked good and she was very like not she had lost some weight but she was just very natural like her hair at, like she that was actually a good look you know, as <laughs> yes, they all do i mean you know it's like saddam hussein uh, was was looking very dapper during his his trial because he is so prison
1: uh, does something pulled out, out of people, a hole they come out of it and they look better except prison
0: for your- is actually you know what that would be if, if you can't afford like a canyon ranch or something you should just get yourself into are eating healthy. and go to
1: prison. No, well, you know, you're you eating know. restricted. I don't know yeah, if Yeah, you're restricted. But there's, you're, you're on a forced yeah. diet. There's nothing to do other than exercise, so you might as well. Yeah. You're and not in the sun too much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah. Okay. So that that should be an option. We should open like
0: a prison, a prison wellness, uh, a prison-themed wellness spa. That okay. would be a good business idea for us. If this doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I'll like, sell. Um, I'll sell them like, there'll be a black market and we can make extra money off of that as well.
0: hmm Yeah. We could have it like at the Cayman Islands or something or mm-hmm. someplace like that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, again, I, I obviously Martha Stewart, th- this is a branding strategy. There's a business strategy here. She's made, she's, she has agency. I don't get the feeling that she's being taken advantage of. It's not one no. of those situations. Like, you know, remember the, the um what always drove me crazy was the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like the memification of of her. It wasn't sexualized, obviously, but it was this like, what a badass and and, and you know, the notorious RBG and, and the documentary that they made about her where she's like you know, lifting weights and and just she just you had the sense that she really didn't know what was going on and no. that she had been manipulated by like, you know, her little cult hipsters. had nothing to do.
1: I mean, that was it. Yeah. That there's a there's a cohort of women who do the notorious RBG thing. It's like these basic kind of college educated, yeah. but really basic kind of woman who gets into that. It's the same woman who's like, if she's in her 30s, she's like really into Harry Potter or was before J.K. Rowling became, you know, anti-trans or whatever. Um, I, I really. Think, yeah, yeah. I so like a ba- like a basic bitch, basic boss bitch kind of thing. And why did that? What's the Harry Potter connection? I don't know why, but all right, I, it's just because it is. It is there is mass appeal. But Harry Potter for women is kind of like the Marvel universe for men. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like the, a basic dude without a lot of creativity or intelligence is like really into the Marvel universe. And in the same way, I think women are drawn to a more literary, to the more literary world of Harry Potter. Um, Yeah, there's something, there's something to it. But every other woman who I think, oh, she's, she's boring, also happens to be very, very into like the Harry Potter fandom in the world. Having said that, I was a big Harry Potter fan when I was a kid, but I was a kid. I didn't, you know, I don't like read it over and over as an adult. I did it when I was a kid and I really enjoyed it as a kid and I was In the fandom, like lurking around all these forums and stuff, and it was fun. Um, You so you missed out on that. You weren't part of the Harry Potter. I never read Harry Potter. Well, it was a little. I mean, maybe Star Wars would have been like your the same sort of phenomenon. Yeah, but but you didn't like read Star Wars books. Star yeah Wars was but like you became about the movies. And... you know you
0: became hyped. like the, the Harry but Potter girls played... were not into Star Wars as much. that was more yeah, boys was like more... my brother, my my brother had every Star Wars thing, like yes, yeah, yeah. you know, Harry Potter was
1: uh, both girls and boys, but girls continue to be into it as women that's oh, what's weird. I didn't know that like <laughs> that's what's weird, but but there are men there are men that are still into the Harry Potter thing, even when they're like a little too old to be into it, but primarily the the fandom. Especially the fan fiction community is just all it's just all women, so many women, um, wow, what is that about? I, f- I yeah, know. we should have somebody
0: there's there's a couple of people who
1: who are really into interesting
0: f- way about that, about or they can sort of suss yeah. that out yeah fan- fan communities, and also like the relationship between that and gender stuff is
1: oh yeah, it's pretty yeah, yeah. big, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. why it's so interesting that j k. Rowling came out the way that she did, and her politics came swinging the way that they did because. I think it really was very devastating to a lot right. of these basic women who are all yeah. for every kind of right. You know, like alphabet people rights are like their, this is their religion. This is how they understand the world and their place in it. Um, but yeah, yeah, we should have somebody on to discuss fan stuff. Somebody has more experience than I do. I have a little bit of experience because I'm, you know, like I'm, I was born at a time where everybody was online. Um, And so everybody is Everybody was in these communities. Everybody knew what this was, and I was a dorky little teen too. So that, you know, <laughs> obviously made me more susceptible to that kind of thing. But I don't think I ever delved into it the way I know people did. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting little. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's fascinating. Wow. All right. Well, do we I don't need to be harshing. What's to, that? How do we even get to that tangent? I forgot. Is um. This uh way. people I don't know basic oh oh the memification of people like Ruth Bader
1: Ginsburg yes yes I feel like that's the kind of person who does that you know what I mean like that's the kind of, and she they don't actually know anything about her or her political views they've never read anything that she wrote they have no idea what she. know if wrote. they did like, they
0: would hate her I mean they, then yeah, they would right, freak out if right. she if she you know so much as praised Kavanaugh Brett Kavanaugh for, in one for one syllable and yeah voted uh not in, in a way that surprised them no they would they would lose their shit yeah i i guess yeah the the martha thing it really is a, a triumph of of the filters it, it has less even i think that this is kind of what's noteworthy about this photo spread is that it's it's beyond plastic surgery it's beyond yeah. that mm-hmm. it's all about photo filters mm-hmm. and in fact that's how people conduct their lives at mm-hmm. this point yeah. you constantly hear when they people and they talk about dating app Stuff and people feeling misled because people don't look like their photos
1: I just if find, people are not accustomed sad. to looking it's at somebody so in real sad. life and I mean it's leading to this kind of serious mental health crisis with young women, which lots of people have talked about, and is completely understandable how they get to this point i i don't know if I brought this up or I told you about this, but I watched a movie um couple weeks ago it was a french movie called delicious have you heard have you seen this movie did i tell you about this already no we didn't but it's this um it's a french movie i think it was like on like amazon prime or something i don't know where i watched it but um it was about this like fictionalized account of the opening of the first restaurant um and so it's like back in you know before the french revolution um and this it's a story about how a chef who is the chef of like a duke. Um, gets sick of being mistreated by him or something, and then you sort of see him branch off on his on his own and begin to start like what turns becomes the first restaurant. There are no spoilers. That's the story. You just it, you enjoy this. You enjoy the journey. And in it, uh, a central character is this woman who is like who becomes his like protege, and she is in her fifties. This actress is in her fifties. And Megan, I had the weirdest experience watching this movie because I think this was the first time. I've seen a woman in her fifties on camera, like on a screen who clearly didn't have any work done. Like none. Like she had tons of crow's feet. She had her, you know, like she had kind of like the, the, the the sort of like. Was she French? Yeah, she was French. She's a French actress. This is a French movie. Everybody's French. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to read the subtitles, one of those. But she's aging and not in a perfect way. Like, Like even I could see that, oh, she should maybe like, like my brain, I can't can't help but think she should get that fixed. Like if she just did this, this would go away. But real, real crow's feet, real wrinkles like around her mouth, like and like smoker. Plus she probably and like thinner lips, you. you know, like mm-hmm. thinner lips, more wrinkles around her lips. And you know, she was gorgeous and watch and not in a condescending. Oh, you look great for her age. Not like that. There was something beautiful about seeing a real human. You know, look human, and there were scenes where she she was like basically a sex object to 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 the guy, Mm -hmm. and she was actually very believably sexy in a way that Sandra Bullock with her puffy lower mouth couldn't be. You know, like something silly about Sandra Bullock's puffy mouth and Nicole Kidman's puffy mouth. Something about that makes them undignified, and something about the way that she was made her seem real, which was like raw and like sexual, like. Sensual. She very She's thin. Very sensual. She was thin. She did have a great body. Yes. So yeah, yeah. She great I think you can cleavage. get away with
0: that if you have a sort of severe, like angular, austere. It was also intensity. That her
1: face could move in, you know, in like this really natural way. And so when she was trying to be like coquettish, kind of you know, like sort of hee hee kind of thing, it 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 was flirty, and you could feel like you, you're watching her and you're attracted to her. Or I felt that way mm-hmm. myself. It was incredible. I just and then I started thinking in my head, do I know any American actress? Can, can I think of one who looks like they haven't had any surgery? And I can't think of there someone.
0: is an incredible uh, half hour cable show called Getting On. Have you seen this? Um, it was on HBO. Uh, it was um, when did it come? It was on from 2013 to 2015. And it was based on a, a British series. So it had Laurie Metcalf, Alex Borstein Nisi Nash, um, Mel Rodriguez, and a couple of others. It was incredible. This show. It was about. Uh, it was took place in a hospital, like in um like in a kind of a geriatric ward. What do they call it? Like um extended care. I think something like this. And Laurie Metcalf played um a, a doctor. And it was basically about these people it was like getting on, meaning like people were dying. Like mm-hmm. there they were just people who were like, it wasn't necessarily like a hospice wing. It was like a lot of just, you know, very old. They were caring for very old people who were always dying. Yeah. And I think purposely they did not have special makeup just beyond like the regular makeup, like stage yeah. makeup, yeah. but like not at all. And the lights were very harsh the show was intentionally conceived for people to look very natural and especially Laurie Metcalf. I mean that she's astonishing to look at in this in this show actually. And so I think she would be a good example of it. Okay. And, I'll um, check it out. And it's a really funny show. It's it's also just like a very funny show, very dark. Yeah. Um but just weird. Yeah. And um it's pretty interesting that way. But yeah. I mean, and I mean you would have to I mean, it's like what we've talked about even with this. Like, it's hard. Like, women are judged so much harshly. Like, we're not, I can't, I cannot tell. Of course, it's, I'm thinking of the women in the show. I'm not telling, like, oh, there's a male actor in the show. And boy, is it, is it surprising and destabilizing <laughs> yeah, yeah, to course. look at him
1: without any stage makeup? Like, no, it's, it's, a, it's, well, because it's always not, that. It's, of course, like we have a, there's a sexual value to, to female beauty in a way that just doesn't exist to male beauty. It never has. Yeah. Or, like, um, you know, it's a power when we're younger. And then, you know, a detriment was as we get older. But I think that if I was an actress now, I might think about, is there a space for a more realistic looking woman? And, you know, can I find directors or writers who would accommodate that in a very, in a, in an, in a real way? Not like this, you know, did you watch the Sex in the City reboot? So... I've never no. watched. I've never watched Sex in the City, the show. I never watched it. I nothing I would ever watch or turn on on purpose. But um, it was on. I don't know. Like I was somewhere uh, at an airport, somewhere where it was on, and I was a captive, and I saw it, and I just saw a bit of it. I don't know what was going on. But they all look grotesque. I mean, it's just yeah, so no. They does, look like animals. Yeah. I don't even. I don't. They're they're not human. They, I mean, it's that AI face that you're talking about. They look like they had AI face. All of them. Something was different. Something was weird and inhuman about the way that their faces were moving. And I could not enjoy it at all. I mean, not that I would ever watch something like that, but it was actually grotesque. Like, it was actually something I would feel like, okay, I have to look away. I can't stare at them, talk like, you know, talking in this way and moving their 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 eyes in these unrealistic ways. The yeah, way. no, that was just kabuki, kabuki theater. But
0: have you been watching Succession?
1: No, I don't watch anything anymore.
0: Okay, so I was really late on Succession. I only started watching it like a couple months ago, so I've been binging it to catch up. That's a really interesting show for older faces. Okay. Um so yeah, there are several characters uh older women who you see uh who are considered attractive. Like there's yeah. a weird so um there's a the, the actress that plays uh Jerry, she's a she's a theater actress. I'm trying to pull up her name here she's a pretty big role, but she's the characters in her sixties. And one of the younger characters is, has some weird sexual, like, you know, fetish obsession with her. And it's, it's, it's made fun of a little bit, but there's also, you know, there's a subtext in the show that like a lot of people actually do find this woman attractive. She's just very competent. Her, her character is somebody who's, you know, highly, very good at her job, not necessarily like a great person, but, um, but there are a lot, yeah, there good. are,
1: that happens in real life. Like there are people who just like give off an yeah. aura about them, you know, that yeah. there, there's a way of speaking, of walking around, of handling themselves that's attractive, independent yeah. of their appearance.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the, I mean, there's also Harriet Walter who plays, who, she's on Succession. She's not, it's not a huge part, but she plays the mother of, of the kids, the, mm-hmm. the former wife of the, logan roy character i mean that's a fascinating actress i think she's in her 70s she's she's british i think she's uh she's a she's some she's like a dame dame judy dench type i don't know if she's actually a dame yes dame harriet mary walter um incredible looking woman just really cool looking and sexy but not not plastic surgery face at all yeah. So I do think that show has is kind of doing interesting things with appearance. Okay, I'll check um, it out. Not it's not necessarily groundbreaking, but okay. um, there's not a lot of it's a lot of interesting faces. I will I will give. Uh, Martha but- Stewart is not going to be getting cast on Succession, Succession anytime yeah. soon. Holly Hunter makes an appearance. She looks she's a, she looks interesting <laughs> as
1: well <laughs> okay, okay. as she gets
0: older. Yeah. All right, all right. Anything else on Martha? So,
1: uh, I think, yeah, we've we chatted about that for like way too long, probably. People are like... No,
0: people love it. They can't yeah. get enough. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the subject of a a story that just dropped in the New Yorker yesterday, actually. Um, we're recording this on May 18th. So that was yesterday. Uh, it's about a club for canceled people um, in New York. There's a group of people that uh, sort of get together once a month or periodically uh to talk about dangerous ideas i don't want to say too much about this piece in and of itself because i actually people you can read it um, <laughs> yeah. i know a lot of them and i have been yeah. to some of these events it's not really the way it's described in the piece uh it's What's funny different? because it's different well i mean a lot of people they i think they knew they say in the article that um there's the woman there's a woman um, named pamela pareski who organizes these things and she's a great organizer like she's really like a force and she gets people together and they meet and it's fun and it's a lot of a lot of people that we 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 might know some people we don't know um but they kind of make it sound like it's this like secret society of people with terrible opinions and that's not what it is at all and uh I do know that they they, they the the reporter was going to come to one of the meetings and um, I think many of the people who are who regularly attend these things did not come uh, that time. So, so the people who are there aren't a huge number of people actually quoted in this piece because mm-hmm. most people did, didn't want to be in the piece. Um, and I can't really tell. I can't. I don't know what to make of the piece. Like it's kind of fun in some ways. Of course, it's getting absolutely eviscerated on
1: on Twitter. Why? What? Why on, are, they, oh, what are
0: they finding false like? Of- j- oh, you know, just a club for bigots people are mad at the new yorker for platforming this hate club i mean it's just most people haven't read the article clearly um and so i I guess i'm less interested in in the piece itself um than this idea i'm gonna coin this right now this i think there's something that we might call cancellation chic people want to be canceled it's like cool now I've seen people sort of running around, going like, "I'm so canceled. I'm so canceled. Like, I can't do anything. I can't, you know, I can't walk down the street." It's almost like the new humble brag. Yeah. And uh, I actually wrote a piece recently on my Substack, like the I think there's just a distinction to be made between being canceled and being problematized.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's the so I think the that section? like you and I are problematized. Okay. But not canceled. Mm. I mean, canceled to me would imply – I mean, people who are canceled are people whose lives are ruined, who cannot right. get a, get jobs. I mean, the majority of people who are canceled, you've never heard of them because they're canceled. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's this kind of little, like, middle ground or where – it's like you kind of are using this as a way of boosting your brand almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, I'm actually not talking about anybody in this piece because I think this is mostly a group of people that just like to hang out and, and and chat about various things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know.
1: How do you how do you feel? Do you feel like you're canceled? I don't think I've ever I'm not even fit to be canceled, you know what I mean? No, like I never got reach- to the like I was mm-hmm. I was problematized before I could even get a platform to be canceled off of. Um, because I began my career as a young woman advocating for, you know, a group of people that, you know, people would rather pretend not exist. People who leave Islam and are unhappy about it and have criticisms about it. And, uh, so right from the get go, I think I was not, I was never going to be somebody who was going to be canceled because I would never be, I would never achieve that stature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to fall from some, you have to fall from some, you have to do what, you know, I mean, so Richard Dawkins, for example, like when he had his like new atheist turn, it was after this long you know uh amazing stellar kind of career as a biologist, you know, breaking ground writing book after book that were you know in- incredible and changed the way people thought about uh certain things, um you know coining words like meme, which is incredible um hmm. and uh you know uh for him to then have this turn. It broke ground and you could say that there was an attempt to get him to be problematized. I think he is problematized, but he can't be canceled. He's cancel proof forever. And that's the I mean, that's the rub, right, that the people that actually get canceled effectively are the ones that we would we don't really hear from. Um, and I know people like this, like personally, I know people who have had their lives destroyed their you know yeah. souls broken. <laughs> you know, they don't believe in anything anymore. Uh, they lost friends. Um, sometimes even family off of little, something tiny, you know, somebody accused them of something they didn't do. Um, Or they had an argument with a coworker on Facebook that spiraled into something crazy. And then they had to, you know, think about another job and move because things got so hostile and crazy. And it just happens to normal people, but we don't hear about it because they just have to deal with it. They don't have a platform that they can whine from, which we can do. Um, but they, they can't do that. And they just have to disappear. I know. That's what drives me crazy when people say, well, how can you say
0: there's cancel culture? All, the, all these canceled people are getting podcasts and starting sub and we're talking about them. So therefore, they're not canceled. Well, those are the ones that you hear about. Yeah. I mean, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who are canceled are regular people who they're canceled. The reason you can't name them is because you've never heard of them. They've been disappeared. And I feel like this is the obvious point that people seem to be unable to grasp.
1: This is, I don't think that they're unable to grasp it. I think that they just never will grasp it because they don't want to grasp it. I think this is something, I wrote about this like a long time ago. I'm even trying to find it because I don't even know exactly what I said. But I wrote a piece on Substack about how should stop. we should stop trying to convince people that cancel culture exists because it has nothing to do like they're never going to believe you because they don't want to believe you they don't want to see the problem so they're not going to see the problem and it's not about giving them enough evidence of people who are canceled um it's about the fact that right now the social forces of cancellation work in the favor of certain people and if they work in their favor they're not going to they're not going to see it they're not going to see the problem and so if you want to solve the problem we have to change the incentives we have to change you know structurally what's going on on the ground like why is it that one you know political viewpoint is so well you know so so easily able to capture and you know utilize this weapon against ideological opponents if we can make it even more of an even battle then you're more likely to get people on both sides agreeing that this is a problem and let's change the atmosphere but so long as one side gets the the brunt of it um the other side will not they no, they won't agree that it exists they won't see the problem why would they they have no you know they have no reason to see the problem
0: are you talking about like one side like political side or one just, political side i mean but just like just
1: right. you know the the woke left why would the woke left why would you why would somebody who broadly agrees with woke politics um you know is committed to, you know, the the broader left political, you know, perspective, why would they acknowledge this problem? Like, what are what, are, what do they have to gain? They're just going to right. lose a weapon, which is useful to them. Well, when it comes for them, they'll have to acknowledge it. I mean, it's it's always those
0: people, the people that that suffer the most or that are suffer the highest penalties
1: are the people who are the most bought in to begin with. Right. So but then right. you just you, you, what you have to be is. Savvy. You have to be a liar. You know. You have to. You you can't be. The the people that bought in are the people who are who who sincerely believe that cancel culture doesn't exist. That's not the right case to be. That you know the right thing to be is to know that it exists. You know and lie, (laughs) lie, lie to people's faces, pretend like you don't see it, so that you can effectively dodge a problem when it comes, like dodge a mob when it comes, so that you can you know sniff the air around you and know the right thing to say. And I think a lot of people are doing exactly this. I think a lot of people are reading rooms all the time. Uh, they, will go, they will go into a room. They will know that there are 10 things they can't say. They will purposely, they will self, self-censor themselves. They will oh, censor others. And then they will say, no, cancel culture doesn't exist. No, there's no, you know, there's no intellect. There's no stifling going on. Um, and I think it's a really useful skill, like politically, to be able to talk out of, you know, both sides of your mouth like that.
0: Yeah, this idea of reading the room. Yeah. My mother used to say that all the time. She was always about like, oh, you got to read the room. And I sometimes feel like she just kind of heard that phrase and was mm-hmm. taken with it, like the alliteration of it or something. And I can't tell. I, I struggle. Like, is it adaptive? Is it is it a highly adaptive trait or just like a sign of an unstable personality. Like no, I, I think coherent sense in, of self. I think
1: it's in, in. Well, I think they're. It's both, right? Like it, it, yeah. it's. It's incredibly useful to be the kind of person that is so adept at understanding your social environment and absorbing it and fully becoming it. You know, and that this is a very. Mm-hmm. This is a. That kind of sense of self that is reliant, to some degree, on your social environment is probably a very useful adaptation in most cases we're seeing many, many people who are like hyper socialized, you know, over. So not just over socialized, but hyper socialized, always monitoring their environments. Very, very good at recognizing, you know, shifts in the air. You know, we can't say this, this word is now bad. And just like an adopting, just like, just unthinkingly adopting the new word. You know, we can't say homeless anymore. We say unhoused. We can't say unhoused anymore. We say, you know, whatever people without housing or some house, Mm -hmm. you know, right. But there's, they're, and it's just so quickly and so interesting to me to see the kinds of people who are early adopters because, it, to me, it's a it's a flag of to what degree they are capable of thinking for themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you know how adept they are at just pulling in from the environment around them. And I don't think not everyone who is in this position is. Um, very aware of what they're doing there is the there are the liars who are aware of read of of the fact that they're reading rooms that they're changing what they're saying they're self-censoring uh that's a different group of people than i think what is perhaps a majority of people who just intuitively like by osmosis you know pick pick up the 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 culture. Yeah. Through their skin. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess it's an evolutionary adaptation, right? You have to, incredibly to keep adaptive. yourself alive.
1: It's incredibly adaptive. Yeah. yeah. And it's int- mean, incredibly I'm, useful.
0: So I'm curious, like, cause I think a lot of my mother's um, interest in reading the room came from just feeling very out of place, like glass, like, you know, she had come from a place where, you know, very provincial background and not understanding any kind of sophisticated mentality. So then, so, she was very, very concerned with sort of passing as a sophisticated person. So she was constantly thinking about this stuff. Reading the room was like her 24 hour a day kind of position. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like for, as an immigrant, like as somebody who had to understand how to adapt to a new culture, what does reading the room mean to you? I mean, I'm assuming that you did have to implement.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I think all immigrants have to, to different degrees, but whether you're able to do a good job to recognize differences is in itself a check of, you know, whether or not you belong. I mean, I'm sure you understand this in terms of class, but just even the ability to see a distinction in certain cases, like to be able to tell that, you know, this shirt, which looks exactly like this other Target shirt, is actually, in fact, it's, it is different To have the eye for that thing that in itself uh, betrays knowledge, you know, that in itself, you know, it speaks for of class. So you I remember having to school myself. It, it, It wasn't so much class based, but it was just like this new culture, American culture. You know, what is this? What's going on? What do people believe? Why do people believe it? Because I was an immigrant, I could sort of approach it in a in a very in, in a way, you might study things, you know, you might go in and you like if if you were to move to China today, you wouldn't just go about your day, you know, as as you do. I would go around talking about gender
0: all day, just m- mumbling to myself. You,
1: you, I mean, you wouldn't make an effort I, to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. You would ask questions. You would look at look things up. You would you would approach it as a as a student um, deliberately in a way yeah. that I think few people do except perhaps your mother did it a little bit deliberately as well. I think people people who have you know they they want to fit in with a new crowd do do it in a in a deliberate mm-hmm. way. Um as an immigrant I did it very deliberately. I didn't understand it it was just cultural differences that were just so powerful. Now I feel like it's my almost my first language, you know, like American culture, what Americans like, what they don't like, what's off putting to them, what isn't this has become my intuition now. It's become, like, fully mm-hmm. absorbed into me, you know? Um, and I right. have to kind of put myself back into the student mode when I when I look at Desi culture. But, like, in terms of
0: speaking your mind or just knowing when to shut up, choosing your battles kind of thing, mm-hmm. I mean, do you find yourself just saying to yourself, like, oh, just, just don't go there now? I mean, maybe we've talked about this before, but I just feel like I'm totally... Like, why can't I just... You know, okay, like, I'm gonna go for a dog walk with somebody and I'm not going to bring up some sensitive issue. Like, yeah. we're just going to talk about normal things. Yeah. And I feel like that's a like, it's just important to be able to not only embrace, but enjoy having a conversation about neutral things.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So long as, I, I think that's a good thing. I think that level of like self-restraint, like, I know that I don't want to fall out over politics. I know that I disagree with politics with this person. And they know that I disagree too. So we're just not going to go there. I think that is healthy and normal and good, actually. Uh, because you won't agree with everybody, in ter- you know, it, it, with everything. And so pick your battles and find the common ground. That's fine. What I disagree with is um, the preference falsification, <laughs> you know, like the the constant censoring. That I, I what I don't agree with is when you go to a room, a room full of people and you disagree with what they say, they presume that you don't disagree and you don't challenge them. You know that I feel like you should be honest and say, no, I don't agree. Or you don't hang out with that group if you cannot mm-hmm. be honest. You know, I think that sort of just existing in this, look, I'm just not going to say it. I it's not right. conducive to a healthy atmosphere. I understand why some people feel as if they have to do it. In certain environments and in, in your at, at your workplace, of course. Oh, if your livelihood is at stake, yes, yes. Right, right. At your workplace, sh- you know, shut up, self censors <laughs> read the room, falsify preferences, right? Put like, m- food on your table. Yeah, yeah. Don't, you do everything you need to do to keep your job. Sure, that that is fine. But among your friends, I find it. I, I when people tell me, you know, all my friends believe X, and I don't, I don't want to lose them all, so I'm not going to say it. And you know. I don't know know what to tell them, except, you know, you need new friends or you need to be honest with your friends because what you have is not a friendship.
0: I know. But here's the thing. Like, okay, so uh, we we you said before, like, okay, we know we disagree on politics or we disagree on this thing. My where I get hung up is like we actually don't disagree. Like, I feel like if this person understood the facts and understood the reality of the situation, they would agree with me. And, like, this is where people get especially really hung up on the gender stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. if people actually understood what's going on with gender youth medicine and the ways that this is not the same as gay civil rights. Like, if they if I could just make them understand that, then we would agree. But, like, who who cares?
1: You couldn't be honest. You
0: couldn't be upfront. I've done that a couple of times. I I have. But I feel like it's just like, why are you ruining lunch again, Megan? Okay. That's what I feel. Okay. You know, why I did I do friends. that? Okay. Well, I don't think, well, if well, you feel I know, that way, did mean, they look, I do that. Ha- if
1: they didn't say that, then I know. Maybe I'm making it
0: up. But know. it's, I just kind of feel like, I, you know, it's sort of just like, why do you have to, why are you, why? Like, there's so much else in the world. If it comes why up, this? I think
1: you have to tell, I think you have to do it. And you're not ruining lunch if it's coming up. If it's not coming up. But it always, then,
0: okay. But, right. But it, with us, it always comes up because people say, "Well, what are you doing? What are you up to? So, your t- so, say so, so like, you I can't think you avoid say it. Honestly,
1: I think you should say it honestly. But I, I think there is a power in being in just being so upfront and deliberate, and like staring at somebody in the eye and telling them, "Like, this is bullshit," and not hesitating. That it it it's a disarming to people, and yes. it's a it's it's actually an effective tactic. I've done this with a couple of people now, where I've just said, "I don't believe any of it." You know, and I don't, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hedge. I'm not hedging. I'm not gonna give you a soft landing into my opinions. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna crash right into it, and it's a challenge which they can pick up or not pick up. <laughs> That's up to them. Mm-hmm. They want to pick it up, okay. Now I'm gonna give you my full spiel. Um, which I think you're right that when people hear about what the you know gender critical side has to say, they often move in the direction. Of the gender critical side, I found that to happen, but I also found that it does. It's not as off putting to people as, as I might think, because I'm not. They can tell that I feel strongly about it, and I think that there is a kind of respect towards just honesty. Like, oh, okay, like thank you. No, for I know that's it's super- that's perfect. definitely
0: true, but it's hard. I mean, again, this subject because then they'll say, well, what about the fact that the American Pediatric Association? uh supports uh gender affirming care and then you have and then you have to be like they're captured and then you sound like a conspiracy theorist well don't believe them they've
1: been captured before it's not you don't have to believe something that is fantastical you don't have to believe something that has that what's happening now has never happened before it's happened before we know it's happened before why can't it happen again what's special about this moment that we can't be captured like that they can't be wrong Okay, you know, I, that's I mean, true. I, I just feel like there. I guess um, we could say that. Yeah, the DSM
0: used to put homosexuality as it's a same, as a mental yeah. illness. So there you others? go. Actually, that's a good
1: one. That's a good comeback. Psychology, like this, and psychiatry, like this profession in particular, has been so terribly wrong so often, you know. And now they're going through this replication crisis that they haven't handled. That is really bad, specifically in this in this arena. They have no this is not a you know, this is not a field that has any legs to stand on, you know, that one should feel very confident in regardless, regardless of all this, regardless of gender. You should be taking what they have to say with a grain of salt. Otherwise, you don't know anything about history or even current events. Uh, so I, I just feel like there's a power to it. There's a power in denial, in in being upfront and not beating around the bush and cautiously putting into and i know that that's not the case for everyone not everyone can do this i think i can do it because i'm like a little autistic and so i can just do it and it doesn't bother me that much but your
0: friends don't have kids in caught up in this too i mean i have so many people for whom this is so personal yeah it's true and it's
1: what ends up happening with me unfortunately is that if i feel like there's somebody who i can't have that kind of openness with i just stop talking to them (laughs) I just lose them yeah. like I no longer i i I personally can't feel connected to them if I can't talk to them openly, and so rather than them cutting me off, I'll cut them off because i you know I know I can't yeah. approach this, I know I can't be honest, so this is not a friendship that I want to invest my time in but it, it, so the back to the 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 New Yorker article the club for a canceled i just I have a lot of feelings. Not about specifically this club, which I've never I've never been to the, these meetings. I've been invited. Pamela is really sweet and invited me. Yeah, whatever. But this group of people that Pamela yeah puts together. Um, she invited me a couple of times, and unfortunately I couldn't make it. I was really sad oh. about it. Yeah, which well, she was in D.C. Um, so sometimes yeah. when she comes here she has them here too. She just has she has friends everywhere. Don't say where it's okay. secret. Oh, Okay, it's secret. Okay. Only the people in the club
0: and the readers of the New Yorker. No, No the details okay all right okay. well i'm um, sorry on about that
1: download. sorry pamela yeah. i'm sort of i get nervous about this kind of thing and it has nothing to do with her group because i don't know what's going on with her group um or pamela but just uh the you remember when the idw was first forming and like people of were course first, i was all all right? about it yeah and I, it made me nervous when of co- yeah. there was a word there was a label we've talked about this before on this podcast just that the second you have a label the second you have a tribe, the second you have a group, mentally, you are necessarily a little bit captured. You can't help it. It's human. you know. Like, well, you can't fight tribalism with a tribe. You can't fight. And, and you know, you, you you can't fight tribalism, period, actually. Like, I feel like it's it's so right. It, I, I wish yeah. I wish the, the one thing that we would accept is that tribal there is no such thing as being a non-tribal person. You can just be aware of how tribal you are and try and orient your tribalism, your tribal urges in a safer direction. Like that's, that's what you can try to do, but it's, it's a little bit like sexuality. You know, we, with the exception of like a tiny group of people who are asexual, many of whom might actually have an endocrine disorder of some kind, but like, you know, with the exception of a tiny group of people, humanity, human beings are sexual. Human beings have a sex drive. And in the same way, we are a very social animal. We're social thinkers. We're social, like this this is how we understand the world around us is through our local communities, through our social networks. We think tribally, and it is a very, very difficult instinct to escape. I would actually argue impossible to escape. And if you're the kind of person who might say, and there are people who say this, like I I have no tribe. To me, there's like kind of like, alarm bells go go off in my head it makes me think oh this guy's just not aware of his well that's like i don't see color yeah he's not he's just not aware of the way in which he actually is acting in in a tribal way having said that of course there's like some people who are more tribal naturally than others just like how some people have a higher sex drive than others like this happens and you know different people orient their tribalism in yeah you know uh healthy to less healthy ways i think if you're just a fan of a sports team and that's your tribe that's a great tribe to be a part of that. Good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, and don't have much of a tribe for politics. Good. That's good. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that frustrated me about the piece was that it came across like it was a bunch of angry white people. And Mm -hmm. I will say that the the meetings I have gone to have been more racially diverse than uh, Mm -hmm. certainly any group i ever hung out with in publishing or media or the literary world so yep so there
1: my heterodox i just i don't know what the word for it is but my my not well here's another word you can say you can say people who are not npcs
0: wait npc what's that npcs so
1: (laughs) non-playable character it's uh so you know i never do this i never do this and somebody and somebody actually noticed that in the comments. I think it was Robin again. Who noticed that, that I don't I don't really throw in a lot of references to my generation. Um so I, I was like, you know what, that's she's right. I don't do that. I don't know why I don't do that. But
0: what is okay, I'm sorry. What is NPC? Is this
1: part of this management tool? <laughs> is NPC <laughs> something that I'm supposed tro-o. to be using in order to schedule a meeting? NPC is a non-playable character. It's like um, it's like somebody on a video game where that that just exists to like give you another quest or something. They're just like standing there with like a you know, like they they have a they're script. They're like the MC. They have they a script. MC'd. They're there. They're there to move the plot along. Okay. And you are the prog- protagonist, so they're just there to move the plot along. And they have a script, and they stick to that script, and they have like. A, uh, you know a bit of area that they can walk around they have very predictable movements but it, it's, a, it's a way to say like you're not a you're, you know you're you're like not a thinker okay yeah you're Programmed like a ceremony. Way. yeah okay yeah um so it, i i find that in my in my circles n- non-npc circles they're very brown and very like very diverse actually very very diverse yeah you know racially ethnically Lots of immigrants, lots of people with a very very different experiences in life, class backgrounds, and my woke circles, like the especially the activist circles that I came out of, white totally. White, white. <laughs> no i I have to say that um,
0: the people I have met through the sort of heterodox podcast space, vomit, emoji, vomit, emoji, vomit emoji. Yeah three horrible words yeah. in a row are like way i mean they're from all different backgrounds they're it's way more diverse way more diverse yeah. than any social life i have so yeah yeah
1: yeah I, and I, even
0: I, actually ideologically i i mean it, it's there's like cons- i mean there's like people who are genuine conservatives mm-hmm. and people who are genuine lefties actually mm-hmm. they just don't happen to be like lockstep right ideological ones
1: yeah i i so I had a in my normal life before it was fairly you know there's was fairly diverse. I got into a very white space when I entered act- activism. Like that was for Are you a me, former white a woman. Very, Are you say you I don't think I ever became a white, became woman, a like white woman. I was a brown woman, and then I and then I briefly became a white woman. I put on white face for a couple mm. of years when I was an activist. Like you know the progress- progressive activist scene is extremely white. Um, like mm-hmm. the, the most diehard people are white. I mean, now th- th- there's been a, like a concerted effort to increase the visible minorities. So there's a lot of like executive directors who are black women, you know, um, and lots of trans people who are in like, you're our PR director now, you know, like there's so there's, there's an effort to try and change the, you know, white lady look of activism so that at least on the outside that is changing but i think it is just a very like they're just putting uh makeup on basically like brown face on um for the cameras because underneath that sort of like very visible element of the of the activist space it's still an extremely white like it's still an extremely white well you have to be able to
0: afford to do those jobs this is what i always keep coming back to whether it's publishing or nonprofit, they don't pay anything so you have to have independent sources of money in order to do those jobs yeah
1: yeah and, and
0: live and in big cities and wear nice clothes and go to parties
1: and the politics also appeal to a certain kind of person like that's the other thing like in addition to the fact that uh, well-off people who happen to usually happen to be white can do this there's also the fact that this i think they're related these two are these two aspects are related that um the yeah these politics don't appeal to brown people <laughs> like the woke no. woke far left you know you go to a dsa meeting and you're going to run into a lot of white people conservatives are in the conservatives that i meet like in real life um are far more you know, like uh, physically diverse like racially diverse ethnically diverse which is very you know i mean i i wonder why that hasn't pierced like anything like i wonder why you know the the woke white women in publishing don't think about why everybody around them looks the same. Like, I, I, I wonder why this is not, you know, like, why? Well, I think really they feel bad about, about it. Me? I mean, what needs to
0: happen is that the woke people of color need to be given the message that if they are woke, they're acting white. Being woke is acting. It bad. is acting white. It totally is. It, totally, white. Is.
1: it totally is. Minorities are not woke. Like, right.
0: Oh, yeah. We had a whole um, I know we had uh, at the unspeakeasy thing in Minneapolis. We had a whole we had um, several black women give this incredible talk about this very thing. And um, it was it was riveting. I mean, it was nothing that you and I haven't talked about, but it was like this is an insult. I mean, one of them was she was in her 70s and she was like, this movement is an insult to my parents who lived under Jim Crow and fought against this. Yeah. And she said, you know, the day that white people stop feeling guilt and start feeling rage is the day that I fear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: The backlash is going to be extraordinary.
1: I mean, it's already here, I think, because I already feel that there's a racialization of like everyday life that. Is toxic, and I I feel nervous. I've talked about this m- many times on this podcast, but just I feel nervous with white, like woke white people. Like if I see a white person, and I can just tell from the way that they're dressed that they're gonna have like liberal politics, like progressive politics. I I don't I don't try to get to know them. I move back three spaces and i don't wait you're
0: nervous because of your because of your color or because of your sensibility like how what do you mean
1: i don't because they're gonna racialize me
0: they're oh okay so they'll be super nice to you
1: yeah they will they will will, super nice is a weird way to put it but they will they will be they will yeah, yeah they will they will uh tokenize me they will not treat me like they treat their friends there will always be this distance between us That I can't bridge. um, And they don't want to bridge. Uh, They want me to be this like sacred object. uh, And they get very frustrated with people like me when we speak out of turn. You know, like when we when we say the thing we're not supposed to say, they get a little bit upset. At first, they'll give you a little bit more breathing room. That's the interesting thing. At first, because you're brown, you can get away with like more spicy opinions. But then there is a point that even they at that point, they say they cut you off um and uh, feel as if you've been tainted and i'm just so i don't want to experience that <laughs> you know like i don't no, want i just so insulting it's god it's such a like twisted little
0: mind fuck like yeah. i because it's completely racist and uh i don't know what they're i just i don't understand i honestly don't understand how they can't see that it's just such an obvious like the machinations of it are so transparent but yeah. that they if they can't see that they're doing it i don't that just blows my mind
1: because yeah, it's um it's a it's it's an object of like it's it's a religious uh service that yeah. they're performing you know yeah. what i mean like it's not a it's not a real interaction with real human beings um it's a meta thing that is symbolic in their own heads you know like it's symbolic uh in in their religion and their faith and their um, political ideology that they've adopted. And I just find it to be, um, you know, a, a, a limitation to real human connection that I feel like I can get with conservatives, you know, like if somebody is like, ob- if, if there's like a military dude, mm-hmm. you know, who's my age, I'll be like, yeah, let me be friends with that guy. But you know? do you <laughs>
0: think that's because conservatives, they love nothing more than a disaffected liberal? There's nothing that they love more than like a person of color who agrees with them. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. No, no,
1: because like military dudes, like a bunch of colored people are in the or people of color. Sorry, a bunch of um, <laughs> brown people are in military. right. Okay, and they're super. I mean, they know more. They know more. No, that's tr- Yes, yes. Like yes. It, it, brown and black people, and they they know more about the average opinion, the opinion of the average black and brown person than any you know Whole Foods going kind of like yeah, what liberal does that's true so they're they familiar with who we actually are um and so i feel like because they already have that experience they are they've already humanized us they already know that we're not this caricature um you can have a kind of a conversation you can't with liberals but then there's there's an additional element in that i prefer hate you know like um the way that that uh conservatives serve it that might be even cast as fear in, in some, you know, in some respects, mm-hmm. then the condescension I get from liberals. I prefer that because there's a kind of, there's almost a respect. You know, if you're afraid of somebody, um, mm-hmm. you think they have some power. Well, they're posing a threat to you. They're posing a yeah, threat, threat to yeah, them. Right, yeah. right. So they have they have some power. And if they're treating you that way, then then they're acknowledging my autonomy in a way that I feel like this, you know, uh, this woke like you're my little pet <laughs> oh poor you oh you've been you know treated this way oh you had to suffer through all the, Oh my, you know that that i can't i can't stomach it at all you know i i, I would rather be rather just experience a lo- like mild racism but like direct, well, and also, pure racism
0: right and it's also just like it's pathetic if somebody is a bigot they're they're just pathetic I mean, it's like if somebody is a blatant misogynist or sexist, Mm -hmm. I don't take that seriously. I just think that person is a joke. Yeah. Like that's that was like the whole Trump thing. Like, like, I just feel like he's so ridiculous. Like, I understand he's triggering. I understand people have all kinds of experiences and it's they're reliving them. But for the most part, like. Somebody who acts like that is not a serious person. No,
1: they're not. And I, and, that's, and that's also not, you know, in my own, again, in my own experiences, like I see interracial couples when I when I know interracial couple, couples, they're almost always like if it's like a white guy with a brown woman, they're more likely to be to lean conservative or on the right than on oh. the left. Um, I don't know if that's a recent thing, but I've seen less and like fewer and fewer really what about all the jewish guys with the asian wives does that count oh
0: yeah Is, isn't that a problem They're all in media yeah <laughs> all right well that actually yeah and that that leads us into what we're going to talk about in the bonus we're going to talk about about therapy and uh there are a couple of recent articles including one in the new york times by a couples therapist who was talking about working with um with not only interracial couples but just couples who have different class backgrounds and how privilege factors into people's relationship dynamics Mm -hmm. and how this in her opinion needed to be addressed in the therapeutic setting i know you're very familiar with therapeutic setting
1: i'm actually gonna go i think i'm gonna just that's gonna be like my on the ground journalism go to therapy can you do maybe you could do like a pot live stream from your therapy what's that insane right-wing guy who always has these cameras and he's like exposing Planned Parenthood or whatever
0: you know what I'm oh, talking about? you
1: mean the people who were selling selling fetal yeah yeah this, who's this guy yeah. this crazy guy I don't know yeah it's gonna be like that it's gonna be like oh
0: you're gonna you're gonna go to different therapists I'm gonna and,
1: expose mm,
0: you should say that yes and you should say that you feel that you you should say that you've been feeling lately that you identify as an octopus And see what the process is, how that goes, how quickly, how long it would take for them to give you a letter signing off on um, octopus. You would have to have, yeah, you joke about this affirmation surgery
1: and also yeah people just don't take that seriously but there's some funny stuff going on um but yeah anyway so i i think i will i think i should check out therapy just to get cuz i have this like conception in my head which i'm about to unleash on in the bonus <laughs> it's totally like we're totally, never going to get better help no, to sponsor
0: us come on no, we're not a, we're not a podcast until we have better help as a sponsor so don't blow
1: it uneducated take for me, but it, like <laughs> one-sided let's say one-sided ed- ed- education okay all right okay so this is good uh yeah, all right well everybody is do they need
0: to know anything w- um, Watch us on YouTube oh, please, I guess
1: please rate us on on Apple podcast we've been getting some hits lately and they're so unfair and we, we should do we should do a what somebody got mad at the Cyre route thing they were like, why'd you platform these these bits yeah, like well, one of our good people ratings. got mad at us for for platforming these two racist women. Okay, we thought oh, it was okay. funny. That's why. Um, but also, it was it, it was partially entertaining. Well, it was partially a very highly
0: rated episode, so that person was wrong. I'm sorry to say. I mean yeah i don't well, like it either
1: so yeah i think it's it's also it's squeakiest wheel you know um mm-hmm. leaves leaves a stinky so movie. are so you please, saying
0: that this person gave us they they undid they gave us fewer stars they yeah, went back yeah, and they, 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 they
1: well no they put oh. they, they, well, in a review and and they gave us um and and so guys were slipping we're slipping even though you know we don't deserve that, yeah so now um, give us
0: some stars, and you know, um, you yeah, know, just yeah, we're we're still figuring out various things with the the technical side. So um, yeah, sorry about that. I know got... that there's
1: some problems, but things are looking up. I think I like our new <laughs> YouTube platform. Actually, you do. Yeah, I
0: was a little bit afraid to go into the comments. I was, but they, like, they're they're, they're not that fingers. bad. They're not that bad. They're, they're a
1: little bad, bad, but they're not that bad. No. Anyway, so we're we'll discuss- not as bad as I well, feared. Let's discuss it in the bonus.
0: We'll, so, okay. Okay. All right, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Hi, it's Megan from A Special Place in Hell. If you enjoy the show and want to support it, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The first is to join our Substack at aspecialplace.substack.com. There you can get access to bonus content every week. You can participate in listener comment threads, and you can even join us for Zoom Hangouts, where we get together and talk about the show and answer all of your questions. You can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on our new YouTube channel, which is called A Special Place in Hell. Sarah and I are really excited about the future of the podcast, and we're so grateful to have you along with us. So thanks for listening, and we will see you in hell.